I'm going to take just a brief respite from going through our biblical church series and uh, focus a little bit on uh, what today is, what we're celebrating as a nation in Independence Day. So we'll be in the book of Daniel. Chapter number one is, is where we'll begin. We will give me just a few moments of introduction before we turn and, and look at the passage. It was a, a couple of years ago, I heard a sermon by a pastor named Tim Keller. He's a great author and, and a pastor in New York City. And he, in this sermon, he was telling of this British pastor who had been invited for the first time to America, to the city of Philadelphia. Knowing that Philadelphia was at one point the capital city of the colonies while they were fighting for their independence from Great Britain, he walked the streets of Philadelphia looking for memorabilia that was of the civil of, of the American Revolution, Revolution era. He spent some time walking through and came back to his host pastor and said, I think one of the most interesting things I found was a sign at a tavern, and it, it simply read, No or we serve no sovereign here. And, and, and if you don't know what a sovereign is, it was the term for a, back then for the British king. And basically what the sign was declaring was that we're Americans here. We don't have kings. We won't bow the knee to any man. And even our own state seal of Virginia kind of expresses that sentiment. The state seal of Virginia in the middle is the, the figure of Virtus, who is the goddess of virtue. She's got a spear in one hand and a sword, a sheathed sword in another hand, with her foot resting upon the figure of tyranny. And the Virginia motto underneath is Sic Semper Tyrannis, which is Latin for thus always to tyrant." We will keep our foot on you. The state seal was designed by one of the signers of the Declaration of Independence. And of course, the Declaration of Independence is why we celebrate the 4th of July in America. Although the Declaration wasn't really signed on the 4th of July, it was simply approved uh, by the Continental Congress, signed later. But here's the interesting thing. The 4th of July is not really Independence Day because we did not gain our independence on July 4, 1776, we simply declared it. Then it, was a, then it was a war through 1783 until that independence was actually gained. It had been declared, but it wasn't gained until the war was concluded. This British pastor and his American host were talking a little bit about some of these things, and the, the pastor said this, it's, the, the British pastor said, it's interesting how the idea of freedom in the West is completely linked to the idea of self-rule. The assumption being, I am only free when no one tells me how to live my life. I am only free if I'm my own king. And as these pastors were talking, that those words haunted the American pastor because he thought, wow, that is an American slogan, but that is certainly not a Christian slogan. Because as Christians, we do serve a sovereign, and we do have a king. And in this same sermon that I was listening to, and this is why, what made it so memorable, 
is Keller made a statement a little bit later, and, and I've never forgotten. I wrote it down, and I've, ne I've gone back to it a couple of times just, just to remind myself of what he said, and I love it because it goes so well with Independence Day in America. This is what Tim Keller said. The day you become a Christian is actually your Dependence Day. The day you actually become free is the day you choose to lose your independence. And I just, I love that. My dependence day. The greatest day of my life is the day I finally declare I will no longer be my own king. I will submit to the rule of good king Jesus. That's my dependence day. And this morning, what I love to do is I'd love to take that thought and, and go to the book of Daniel. Because in the book of Daniel, here's what I'd love to present to you. I'd love to present how some teenagers, and we have teenagers here today, how some teenagers declared dependence day. And then how some young adults declared dependence day. And finally, how a senior saint declared Dependence Day, and I want to encourage all of us here Let's celebrate Independence Day as Americans But Dependence Day as Christians And so look if you would in Daniel chapter number one and, and I can't assume that everyone here knows all about the book of Daniel So let me just give a bit of background and understanding Daniel takes place in the time of Israel's history where they are about to lose their independence as a nation They are about to be conquered by a king whose name is Nebuchadnezzar and a nation who's called Babylon And they are about to come and enslave God's people Israel Carry some of them away In fact, some of those who are carried away is who this book is written after his name is Daniel but later on, the, the armies of Babylon are going to come to Jerusalem. They're going to knock the gates down. They're going to loot the temple and destroy it and then leave the city completely leveled. That is kind of the setting that we're looking at. Nebuchadnezzar is sending some servants into this city or into the land of Israel to bring out the best and the brightest before they enslave everyone They want to take the best and brightest and bring them back and train them in the ways of Babylon So Babylon can become a greater kingdom. So look with me in verse number three if you would Daniel chapter one verse number three Says this then the king commanded Ashpenaz his chief eunuch to bring some of the people of Israel both of the royal family and of the nobility Youths don't forget that word youths without blemish of good appearance and skillful in all wisdom Endowed with knowledge understanding learning and competent to stand in the king's palace And to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans The word Chaldean in case you see it a few times is the same is synonymous for Babylon It's like saying the United States or America same thing Chaldeans Babylon's the same just just so you know verse number five says the king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank They were to be educated for three years and at the end of that time they were to stand before the king. 
So we don't know exactly how old Daniel was, but remember they used the word youth. So we know he's not too old, but we also know that in just a few short years, Daniel's going to be placed in a place of great leadership. So he's not going to be too young. Most theologians would say Daniel would be something like a late teenager here. He's taken and brought to Babylon, and I know many of you know the story, uh, but he was taken and brought to Babylon, and he was going to be taught the language, the culture of Babylon, asked to eat and drink the, off the king's table. And, and here's the plan. We're going to have Babylon change Daniel. We've taken his independence, and we're going to change him into who we are. He was taken from his family, from his home, from his nation, and he was given a new land, a new king, and, and new laws. Daniel lost his national independence, but what we'll see is that never changed Daniel's personal dependence on God. Because in verse number 8 of the same chapter, Daniel 1.8 says, But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. So in this new land, Daniel refuses to eat the king's food. And, and on this day, he went to say, I'm not going to do that. It was Daniel's dependence day. Of living dependent on God, daily being indoctrinated in the ways of Babylon the worldview of Babylon, the gods of Babylon, it, it would, you would think it would be easy for Daniel to change. But here's what we'll find about Daniel. He lived daily dependent on God and then daily stood up to the indoctrination that was coming his way. Can you think about that? You understand what that means? We as a community are struggling right now in some ways of the indoctrination that is being brought to our children, changing their worldviews, changing their gods, changing the way they thought. That's why it's so important for us as parents to make sure that we are bringing our children up in the nurture and admonition in the truth of the Lord and teaching them to daily depend on God. Because what we find after three years is that these four boys, Daniel and his three friends, they're outshining even the king's greatest advisors. Look at verse 17, if you would, with me. Again, we're just setting the foundation. It says, as for these four youths, God, remember this, God gave them. Don't forget that. God gave them learning and skill and all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding and all visions and dreams. And at the end of the time, so that's three years, at the end of the time when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Verse 19. And the king spoke with them, and among all of them none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they stood before the king. And in every matter of wisdom and understanding by which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians, and enchanters that were in all his kingdom now to you and i magicians are people who do tricks but to this king the magicians they were the wise men of his realm they were the ones he turned to to try to interpret dreams and understanding he finds these four youths now in three years to be ten times better daniel would be given a place of prominence because of this and what we'll find in the next chapter is Daniel's actually promoted to become one of these wise men. 
So, the question. How would the national independence he's now given, because he's giving, being given charge of the nation, how would this national independence change his personal dependence that Daniel and his friends had placed on God? Would now be the time Babylon would change Daniel and his friends? If you're in Daniel, we're going to look at chapter 2, because chapter 2 opens up with the, the king having a dream, and the dream troubles him. So he calls these wise men to himself and says, tell me what my dream meant. It bothers me so much. And they said, well, tell us what your dream was. And he said, I can't remember my dream. And they look at him and say, well, how are we supposed to tell you uh, or the interpretation of a dream if you can't tell us what the dream was? Well, this infuriates the king, so he says, I'm going to kill all of you. But that also includes Daniel. Who's one of those wise men now? Daniel hears about this and asks if he could have an attendance with the king. And he says to the king, will you just give me some time? And so the king grants a stay of execution for all of his wise men. And Daniel does something in verse 17. In spite of all the indoctrination that he had been facing, in spite of now being on the same level as the magicians and magicians, sorcerers, and astrologers, Around And in spite of the false gods that he was living in, Daniel still knew what to do. Daniel summoned his three friends and they began to pray. A dependence day. Verse 17, if you would, of Daniel chapter 2. It says, Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery. So that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. And don't, don't stop reading because we're going to keep going in just a moment. But here's Daniel receives the vision. They went to God and he receives the answer. And I want you to read these next few verses as Daniel pauses to raise a prayer of praise to god and i want you to listen to these words and we can see clearly daniel's dependence not on himself not on his charisma not on his wisdom but on god look at verse 20 so daniel answered and said blessed be the name of god forever and ever to whom belong wisdom and might he changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise for you have given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me what we asked of you. For you have made known to us the king's matter. I could, I could read that prayer over and over again because we see Daniel's his exaltation of God's glory, of God's wisdom, of God's might, of everything about God, that sovereignty that he holds. And I think well, it's no wonder Daniel lived with the dependence on God if that's who his God was. Do you know why sometimes we as Christians struggle to depend on God? Because our God is so small. He, he can't even get us to heaven without our help, without us living a good life. 
He, he doesn't really even know what's best for us because we prayed for this for so long and he didn't come through on it. Our God, he, he's just not smart enough. He's just not strong enough. He's just not wise enough. <laughs> but when you see how Daniel exalted his God, no wonder he lived with a dependence as he did. You know what this prayer reveals? Babylon has not yet changed Daniel, although that was the plan all along. We won't read them, but verses 47 through 49 to declare how Nebuchadnezzar lifts Daniel's God high. And, and he says, wow, he is the revealer of mysteries. And then he places Daniel in another place of promotion. And Daniel's three friends are promoted as well. So that leads us to a new question. Will this greater national independence given to Daniel and his friends change their personal dependence that they have put on God? Would this promotion finally result in Babylon changing Daniel and his friends? Many of you know the story of Daniel 3 that's so well known. The king builds a golden image of himself makes everyone in the kingdom bow to it when the trumpets sound, except Daniel's three friends choose not to bow to it. They're brought before the king who's upset with them and says, if you don't bow, we're going to throw you into furnace of fire. And notice these three boys' dependence day. Verse number 17 of chapter 3, if you would. Verse 17 of chapter 3. Here's what they said. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Our God can deliver us. Now, whether he chooses to or not is up to him. And I love, again, the sovereignty they're giving to God. But here's what they said. It doesn't matter. Our dependence on God is not what he does for us. It's what we know of him. Our dependence on God is not in what he does for us. It's in what we know about him. They were thrown into the fire for that but they declared their dependence thrown into the fire and when they got there a fourth man met them they were brought out of the fire to stand before the king again the king that has already seen that daniel's god was a god of revealer of secrets oh this god recognizes or this this king recognizes this god in a new way because I, look at verse number 28 of how nebuchadnezzar reacts to these boys dependence on their God. Verse 28 of Daniel chapter 3. It says, Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any God other than their own God. Therefore, I make a decree. Any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb. Their house is laid in ruins, for there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the, Serp, in the province of Babylon. Yeah. I don't know if you see what's happening yet. 
But Israel, the Israelis, they lost their independence. They were taken to a new land, and things aren't changing in some of their hearts, even though there's a new king, new laws, and a new nation. But they've been promoted. What would this promotion do? A greater independence, as na a greater national independence, would it change their personal dependence on God? Would their prominence as leaders result in Babylon finally changing Daniel and his friends? Well, the next two chapters, Daniel, we don't hear anything more about Daniel's three friends, but we do hear that Daniel lives in Babylon over the next two chapters as new kings approach the throne until finally a new kingdom comes in and knocks out Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. It's called the Medes and the Persians, and a new king is brought in. Ah, a new ruler in this new land with this result in Babylon finally changing Daniel. Well, the new king's name is Darius, and he found Daniel, who at this time was 80 years old, to be a great asset to the kingdom. And so he sets him in charge of the 120 princes that rule his whole kingdom. But these princes don't like it. But, but here's what we're going to find out about Daniel. If you look at verse or chapter number 6 with me. Chapter number 6. I'm not telling you a whole lot that you don't already know. I understand that. Chapter 6, verse number 5. This is what we find about this 80-year-old Daniel. Then these men said about Daniel, We shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Daniel has been dependent on God in the midst of a godless nation in spite of multiple kings and kingdoms. Everything has changed around Daniel but his dependence on God has not. And again, one of the most familiar stories in all of Scripture. These 120 princes are going to use a plan to trick the king into signing a law that no one can pray to anyone but him. And Daniel, when he hears about this new law that no one in the nation can pray to anyone but the king, what does Daniel do? Is this law finally going to change Daniel? Verse 10 of chapter 6. We find a new dependence, though. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber, open towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. <laughs> it's been 50 years, 50 years since Daniel was brought over as a captive, having lost his independence, brought to a new nation with a new king, with a new land, with new laws, multiple kings, multiple kingdoms. And what do we find about this senior saint, Daniel? He continues to live with a dependence on God. I love it. Problem is, this decree of the king means that there is certain death. He's upset at the men who tricked him, but the king has to keep his word. So they gather Daniel, and the, the result was Daniel to be lowered into a den full of lions. King drops him in, and God holds the mouths of the lions shut that evening. The next morning, the king runs out to find Daniel alive, has Daniel pulled out 
and of the of the lion's den and here is the decree of the king you got you got to catch this verse 25 then king darius wrote to all the peoples nations and languages that dwell in all the earth peace be multiplied to you i make a decree that in all my royal dominion people are to tremble and fear before the god of daniel for he is the living god enduring forever his kingdom shall never be destroyed and his dominion shall be to the end he delivers and rescues he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth he who has saved daniel from the power of the lions i read that and you know what parallels in my mind as i read this wicked king darius's decree daniel's prayer in chapter 2 when he was exalting god's power might and sovereignty and in daniel's faithfulness through these decades now it results in a wicked king a lawless nation declaring the same truths about the power and might of daniel's god so, so we got to take a step back here and just kind of wrap this and understand a teenage boy was taken from his home to a new land and placed under a new kingdom and lost his national independence why so babylon could change daniel but babylon did not change daniel as a teenager in the midst of a changing culture he displayed a continued trust in god he declared dependence day and three young adults facing execution in a furnace of fire displayed a continual trust in god on their dependence day and an 80 year old man facing certain death in a lion's den displayed continual trust in god and celebrated his dependence day and did you catch the result of all these dependence days the king of babylon decreed that everyone in his kingdom would fear daniel's god daniel's god is the living eternal god whose kingdom would never be destroyed daniel's god is the one who delivers rescues and works signs and wonders so we have to see this because of his dependence on god babylon didn't change daniel daniel changed babylon but let's be honest Daniel didn't change Babylon. It was the God of Daniel that changed Babylon. It was the God in chapter 1 who gave those boys those skill and learning. It was the God in chapter 2 who brought the interpretation of the dream to Daniel. It was the God in chapter 3 who stood, stood next to the three men in the furnace of fire. It was the God in chapter 6 who closed the mouths of lions. And so before we begin, and I love Daniel's faithfulness, but before we begin holding up the book of Daniel to say, hey, dare to be a Daniel, we have to understand the book of Daniel is not to highlight Daniel. It's to highlight the God of Daniel. See, Daniel's dependence on God not only changed his world, it changed the world. You and I are called to have a dependence, not to stand strong and say, I can change the world. No, you 
can. But your God can. If you know he's the one who will do the work. So let me just close by sharing the thought that everyone needs a day of dependence on God's son. Okay, now I hesitated to use the word day because it's really a life. Everyone needs to live a life of dependence on God's son. But there has to be that day in your life when you declare your dependence on God. Oh, you're not going to get everything right, and you're still going to fail, and you're still going to be a sinner, and you're still going to struggle in multiple areas of your life, but you'll start to grow. But that growth in Christ, that sanctification process, that becoming more like Jesus day after day will never start until there is a day that you say, I declare my dependence on God. We celebrate July 4, 1776, but again, can I remind you, that was not our day of independence. It was a day we declared that we will fight for independence. We stand one day, and I was a five-year-old boy sitting in the bathroom of our home. Well, not really sitting on the bathroom. That sounds bad. I was kneeling at the white throne in our bathroom and uh, declared as a five-year-old boy, the best a five-year-old boy could, declared my dependence on God's son. And it has been a lifetime of failure. And I will never finally, I will, I will never reach the point I want to reach until I see Jesus. And once I see him, I behold him and we shall be like him as we behold him. That's the day I'm looking forward to. But it's a journey throughout this life that will not start until there is a day when you say, I cannot make it on my own. I must cast my dependence on the Son of God. But why would we do that? Oh, I have a great reason why we do that. I'm sorry, that's not, not there yet. Sorry. Why would we do that? Because Jesus is a greater Daniel. Daniel was taken from his home and to a new land. Jesus volunteered to leave his home for a new land. Daniel lived with a purposeful heart, refusing the king's bread and wine. Jesus lived with a perfect heart, and he became our bread and wine. Daniel lived right. Because he did, he received the king's promotion. Jesus lived right and received his father's condemnation in our place for our sin. Daniel's friends were met by God when they were thrown into the fire. Jesus was forsaken by God in order to receive or save us from the hellfire we deserve. Daniel was saved from certain death when God clothed, closed the mouths of the lions but Jesus experienced death. God didn't save him. Jesus experienced death when God poured out his wrath against our sin on his son. That, that is why we must at some point in our lives say, I need Jesus. Not to get what I want, not to feel better about myself, but I need Jesus because I am a sinner and he is my only hope. 
But two, Christians need to live each day with dependence on God's Spirit. Oh, how Christians, how much we, we fail. And, and, and I say we, I, I need to say how much I. How much I fail to live dependent on being open and aware of the Spirit of God speaking and leading and bringing people into our paths to work through us. I think how many of us, how many of us in this room, when you've heard the need, you've moved. When you've heard the need, you've given. When you've been aware there's a need, you've reacted. But how many of us have to wait for someone to show us the need because we're not looking for the need? I've, I've told him this many times, but Dave Dooley is a man. It just he convicts me so, so often. And I don't, I don't want to make it's not about Dave, it's about the God of Dave, it's about the Spirit of God, but I love just, I, I remember years ago him telling a story of he's seeing a homeless man who looked hungry, and all he did, well, I can drive by, I could pray for him, or I can open up the lunchbox that has a sandwich in it, and I could go give him my lunch so that he can be filled. Dave, I can't tell you how many times that, that little story has replayed in my heart, my mind, over and over and over and convicted me when I wanted to go by someone but stop and help being aware of the Spirit of God. We need to be dependent on the Son, God's Son, dependent on God's Spirit, and we need to live every day with a dependence on God's sovereignty. You read through the book of Daniel, it's some pretty wild stuff. How it happened into God's people. But not one time did it happen outside of God's care, God's knowledge, God's sovereignty, God's power, God's protection, God's purpose, and God's plan. We sometimes think our plans get messed up without understanding our God knows exactly what's taking place. The gentleman who's doing this tent revival. His name is Mike, and I, I was on the phone with him the other day. I think it was Friday, Eve, Friday afternoon, and, and he called me and said, said something about, he's a, he's a bread, he delivers bread to Food Lion. That's how Landon knows him. He, he delivers bread all over the counties around here, and he called me. He's like, yeah, my, my truck won't, can't get started. And, he's, and I said, oh, I'm so, here's my words, oh, I'm so sorry about that. Isn't that how you feel? You feel bad for somebody who can't get their truck started, right? Oh, I'm so sorry about that. He said, oh, no, brother, God knew that. He's just lining, lining me up an appointment that I would have been too early for. Well, amen. I don't know why that wasn't my first thought, but it wasn't. My first thought was to feel sorry for him. His first thought is, I can't wait to see what God has for me. Yesterday, we, this, this past weekend, my nephew got married uh so our family was down there for the wedding and, and i was able to be i have five brothers and sisters able to be with them all for the first time in a while and then my mom and dad were there too as, as well and my brother wayne who lives in indiana brought my parents to the reception and he was telling us a little bit about the conversation that he had and he said on the on the um plane or on, on the drive he said um i asked mom and dad what their fav what one of their favorite moments of their life were 
so he, he told us what my mom said about my sister being born because my mom had had two miscarriages and then thought maybe she wasn't going to be able to have children. And so having that first child was a very special moment for her. And then he said, Dad, how about you? And he said, oh, meeting your mom, which doesn't surprise me that my dad said that. But the interesting thing is my mom and dad met at a roller rink. My dad was the roller guard guy. I don't know. You help people up when they fall down, tell them to slow down if they're going too fast. And my mom was there that night, and I think she fell a few times on purpose uh, because she saw this cute-looking roller guard uh, that was there. That's how they met. That's actually a part of my story in being here today as your pastor. But here's, here's what I never heard before until my brother told me yesterday. My dad told him on that night when he went to be the roller guard, he was actually supposed to be at another roller rink. And something came up where he couldn't make it there and asked if he could go to a different roller rink just to be the guard that night. To everyone else, that schedule was, well, it was a mess up. Oh, I'm so sorry you couldn't get where you're supposed to go. Couldn't do what you're supposed to do. That mess up, that, that inconvenience is the only reason I'm standing here today. Do we really live dependent that God knows what he's doing? He sovereignly rules and reigns in your life. I know some of you are carrying incredible burdens. Can I remind you? God knows every single one of them. And there is a purpose and there is a plan that God is going to be able to use those for your good and for his glory to there be, maybe it's decades away. Maybe it's, my, my mom and dad have been married 65 years. Maybe it's 65 years later where I look back and go, I thought I just messed up. But God was working his perfect plan. Oh, see that in the book of Daniel. He lost his national independence, but lived with a personal dependence on God. So hey, on this 4th of July, Christians, happy Dependence Day. And tomorrow, happy Dependence Day. And the next day, happy Dependence Day on God's Son, on God's Spirit, and on God's sovereignty. Would you pray with me? Father, I don't... You, you know that I asked two other people to preach today. <laughs> I'm the, I'm the third, third guy up today. Now, I have no idea why you, why you wanted me to be here this morning. I, I wasn't planning to be the one to bring this message. But God, I, I fully believe it's part of your perfect and sovereign plan. And I also believe that everybody sitting inside of this room, whether they thought they'd be here or not, they're here today as a part of your sovereign plan. And part of that sovereign plan is for you to, to introduce us to your son, the one who loved us so much that he, he took our sin upon himself. He offers us his righteousness if we just truly believe. You offer us through the Son, the Spirit of God, 
to direct and guide, to convict, to shape and mold us more like Jesus. Oh God, if there's anybody here today and they, they don't know you as their personal Savior, I pray that on this National Independence Day they can look back and go, yeah, but it was the day I declared my dependence on God. And if you're here today, you've never done that. Oh, you're never going to be perfect until you see Jesus face to face. And the freedom that comes in proclaiming your dependence on Christ, that's what will truly set you free from the sin, from the guilt, from the power that sin holds over us. It's what we all need. And if there's never been that day for you, I would encourage you to understand today that you, you don't have enough in yourself to earn heaven. Heaven is a gift of a very good God who loves you so much that he gave you his son. And it's through his son, through seeing Jesus as both your Lord and Savior, the one who can save you and the one who you will follow. That's the dependence day we want. We receive the Spirit, man. Encourage those of you who are here as Christians. If, if we're not in tune to listening to the Spirit more, may our ears and our eyes be awakened to what the people God brings, the, the news that we hear, the ways that God works. Ask Him to open your eyes and your ears and your hearts to what the Spirit is doing. And for all of us, may we, we, may we find a rest. And that sovereignty of God. You've got a burden, don't you? Kind of wondering if God really knew what he was doing and giving that to you. Oh, he does. And it's for his perfect plan in your life that you will love one day if you continue to rest and trust in his sovereignty. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I will be standing at the back doors when this is over, and I would be honored to help show you from the Scriptures what Dependence Day looks like on Jesus. And so don't leave without letting me know, and I'd love to share that with you. But may those of us who have declared our dependence, may we live, as Aaron mentioned, victorious, knowing Jesus has won the victory. We are on the winning side. There's no question about it because of Jesus. We love you, Father. Help us to be dependent on you so the world doesn't change Christians, but Christians change the world because of our God and our dependence on him. In your name we pray. Amen and amen.